Welcome to the Michigan Wild Podcast. We're just here walking around. We're going to go set a tree stand. Don't worry, my dad's weird. He never shot a huge buck before. I just shot a freaking big buck. Go get that one, Henry. Right here. Welcome to another episode of Michigan Wild. Uh, this is Christmas week. Hopefully everyone had a, a wonderful Christmas. They or are having a Christmas later today. I'm not sure if this is going to drop on Christmas Day or not. But hopefully the holiday weekend was a blessing for you and your families. Uh, you guys got to uh, have some good quality time with them. And all your kiddos are happy and thankful for what they had. I mean, it's one of those times of year where as a parent you try to do your best at not spoiling them too much, but also making sure they understand that it's important to give and what the what the holiday means, I guess, as a whole. But uh, yeah, this uh, this episode this week is with Rob uh, Rana. He is a guy that uh, has been bow hunting for quite a while in Michigan. Uh, he's been doing it for years. Uh, he primarily hunts uh, public land. Uh, lately, and he's been taking his son with him. Uh, his son's 12, and I think he's been following him uh, in the woods doing hanging hunts since he was like eight or nine years old. So it's a pretty cool story to hear how he uh, approaches uh, bow hunting, you know, kind of like the, the, the bigger picture of it all. Uh, he is someone that it kind of self-taught himself. Him and his brothers kind of learned how to bow hunt uh, when they're young, and, you know, it's kind of morphed into what it is today with him being mobile and, um, you know, scouting properties and, uh, kind of just embracing the outdoor lifestyle for him and his family. Uh, he uh, he had a sweet story about a doe he ended up shooting. Uh, that was that was the one thing that uh, you know I had I had reached out to him before the season uh, through some friends. And uh, long story short, he's a guy that ran into one of my other buddies at Jay Sporting Goods and uh, started talking. And then come to find out, I had already reached out to him. And then to seal the whole thing up, he actually I don't know if he grew up or Actually, I believe it was his dad. They owned a cottage on a lake that I actually lived right by. Um, and that cottage actually was right next to the main uh, property that I used the dock to fish on and, you know, take the boat out and all those kind of things. And his dad gave me permission to fish his dock. And I caught a lot of a lot of bluegills and a lot of bass right in front of his dad's cottage growing up. So, you know, we, there's, a, there's an age gap, maybe a 10-year age gap between me and him, nine years, something like that. So... I can't remember like uh, interacting with him, you know, because it was one of those things where he was, you know, when I'm when I'm when you're 11 years old and someone's in their 20s, you don't really, you know, so associate with them too much. But it was kind of cool to just it's a small world out there. You never know who you run into. But yeah, he, uh, me and him had a really good conversation. You know, we talked a lot of things and um, didn't get too tactic driven. Mostly just kind of I wanted just to get to know him a little bit, and you can kind of sense his passion for being outside and. Man, what a cool story with the doe he shot and the and his son shot his first buck with a bow. Um, just a cool overall 
season that they've had so far this fall. And, uh, yeah, that'll be a great, I think it'll be a great episode to kind of end this, uh, 2023 year out on. Uh, so for hunting for me, I have a really nice buck that, uh, I mean, so far he, he's made it through the year. I mean, if someone, you know, can get on him with a bow, that'd be great. Um, uh, he, he will be special next year if he makes it and does the jump. He's a deer that I do have some history with and know of him and all that kind of thing. And he's had some adversity this year, but you know, this is the time of year that guys who are uh, kind of sick for it. We, we got the trail camera still ripping and you're always just like, okay, who's the prospect for next year? And I think last week I kind of said, I, I might've had a couple things, but this was a deer that confirmed was him. I thought maybe I had a picture of him, but I wasn't sure, but no confirmed it was him. And yeah, I'm already, uh, already got the gears turning for next year. Uh, he, uh, I mean, it's one of those, it's one of those things where you never know. I mean, you get killed by cows, hit by a car, you know, all those things. Someone can still shoot them. You know, there's, there's, you know, a week, week of season left yet, or just a little over a week of season left yet. Um, and then that kind of, rolls into like I'm gonna try to shoot a doe. Uh my cousin's got a tag, so we're gonna really try to get him on a doe here this upcoming week. And then I might sneak out a couple times and just, you know, I don't really need to shoot a doe. So it's one of those things where I probably just have my bow and just try to get another one with my bow just uh because I enjoy doing the hanging hunts and you know trying to kill a deer the bow is pretty fun. And uh so that's kind of how I got it going on. And then the weather does look like it's gonna break and it's gonna be a little nicer in the next couple days uh after the holiday weekend. So going into, you know, New Year's, it looks like we might have some good weather, weather things for people who have food sources and that kind of thing. And I did want to kind of touch on that because I know a lot of guys do small food plots and, uh, we've done food plots in the past, but this year was kind of like finally the year that we were able to kind of like put a little better effort towards that. And from, you know, November 15th to about now. So, I mean, it's been almost a month. The food plots were not there was a lot of deer activity on them and around them at night, you know, and that could be assimilated to pressure. Um, and it was, but it didn't really seem to matter. Like there's one food plot I have not hunted at all or near. I mean, I hunted it maybe two times in the whole season, three times, maybe the whole season. And, uh, was very smart with how I got in there. And I finally have deer daylighting in that food plot. So that took, that took a long time for that to really, you know, I was, I was really, I was really shocked by it because that's an area that I usually have a lot of, a lot of daylight deer activity in and then, you know, put a nice food plot in and it's like, okay, they're here at night. What's going on? We'll come to find out that that was a pressure related thing. And that was not pressure for me. That was pressure from neighbors hunting. You know, uh, a lot of deer got shot around the area. Um, you know, that kind of, there's ebbs and flows for that. And I think I've talked about that before, but finally got some daylight activity on that food plot which is just you know good i mean there's a good group of deer so hopefully some of the bucks in the area will start hitting that too here in the next you know month or so just to see if anything made it which is kind of exciting and then yeah so i mean i guess for people who do have food plots it's not like the you know it's not like this magic wand that you can just be like oh food plot installed i'm gonna have daylight activity it's gonna be great uh, food plots are not all created equal and you know there's a lot that goes into that and there's a lot of guys that have a lot more knowledge than me in that department so those are the kind of the people that I rely on and I leaned on uh, for what to plant and you know kind of size and all that but I know I used a couple different things this year and I've had all sorts of uh, success with those things so I don't know if it's necessarily one thing is better than the rest I think it just depends on what your property needs or what you'd like to see out of it but 
I've been I've been th- thrilled with the success we had with that with you know deer on them and deer using them in the daylight uh, and that kind of a thing up to you know like November that's when it kind of tapered off and that's good that's because of the rut you know the bucks are they're not interested in eating really for that month they're more worried about you know breeding and chasing the does and doing that kind of a thing so I think now that we're getting some of that cooler weather I think it's gonna really start popping so it'll be like it'll be another another tool in the toolbox to get like inventory because that's kind of hard to do some years like you have no idea you know you try to hear you hear stories of other people who are like okay I know this buck's alive still he's you know he's made it I've seen him for two or three years or whatever I know he likes this area I know this and have all this information that they just know about a deer and I feel like for me it's usually one of those things where there are some years where I do know a little bit like very sparingly but I'm hoping that these these late season food sources will kind of help me understand how they like to you know use a property so that's pretty exciting so hopefully by the next next episode maybe I'll have a doe on the ground or my cousin will have one which would be great but yeah I think uh I think that's about it for this intro it was a great conversation with Rob Rana and hopefully you guys can uh hear the passion that we both have for hunting in Michigan and uh I'm not trying you know I, I might push a little hard on the shooting doe thing uh, but that's something I believe in. I think that's a very important thing that us as hunters can do. Um, you know, not even like, not even like taking anything into like how the DNR are, how the rules are, like all that stuff. That just seems like a lot of jargon sometimes. But I know that us as hunters can make an impact, and we can do a lot. Of, there's a lot of things we can do, and one of those things I think is that like shooting more does is something that would really help and. Um, there's a lot of research, there's a lot of studies, there's a lot of people who are a lot more invested and in, in, uh, smarter than me about deer bi- biology. And, you know, you do have differing opinions depending on who you, who you listen to, but, you know, sometimes the loudest voice isn't necessarily the, um, the most educated guy. So just do your own research. Um, you know, there's, I've, there's a couple things that I've, I've looked into and of what does to shoot you know, what you think is important from a quality deer, you know, management, uh, style. Um, but I just tell you like me and my, my dad and some of my other buddies, we've, we've kind of taken the approach to shoot the, you know, shoot mature bucks and try to shoot mature does, you know, I, that's not always, uh, going to happen. Like the doe I shot this year, she was not, I, I doubt she was a two-year-old doe. She was probably a year and a half old doe and I shot her and it was probably one of those things where, Ideally, that would have been a three-year-old doe or older, you know. Um, but I think that's something to strive for, and I do think that there's some there's some legitimate uh, claims to uh, to shooting older does, also. So, hey, that's fun. Shoot mature bucks and shoot mature does. I can I can get on, I can get involved with that. So that's what I'm going to look forward to doing here in the next you know next uh, week and a half a season or whatever it is, and uh, hopefully it comes to fruition. But thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for all the support. Uh, and do the downloads and telling people about the the podcast i really appreciate it and uh also um hopefully moving forward there might be a couple partners to the show which that's pretty exciting uh to have that possibility it's going to definitely have to be the right thing i'm not i'm not going to just have a partner that i don't believe in or i'm not going to push a product just to push a product like that's not really my mo i mean if you look at all my hunting stuff and everything i've i have i've bought my own money and i'm not uh I'm not too good to give a lot of different things a try and also critique things I don't necessarily, you know, I'm not enthralled with. But at the end of the day, I mean, product does not, 
give you the does not make you shoot a, a mature buck or a big buck or shoot a deer. Um, doesn't matter what camel you're wearing. Doesn't matter what bow you shoot. Now I do think there's a little bit more like in depth with the your your equipment from like not making noise. You know, not uh not having you know improper arrow weight, uh, broadhead combination kind of a thing. Which I think that kind of goes with gun hunting too. You don't want to shoot the wrong type of bullet out of your gun. So I think a lot of that's education. I mean, yeah, you could have a 300 wind mag, but you're not going to want to use like a, you know, a full metal jacket, you know, target round because yes, you can kill a deer with the perfect shot placement, but you're not going to have that expansion or, you know, you're not going to have that, you know, impact on shot. So it might be really difficult to recover that deer. You might have a quick, you know, pass through that didn't do the trauma you want. You know, I mean, there's, I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but there's all those things that kind of go into it. So I'm, I'm a proponent of that, like the education part. But there's also a lot of good things out there, and there's a lot of things that aren't that good. But um, So that's anything I do moving forward is going to kind of be from that approach. I don't want to be pigeonholed into, like, having to just use one thing and one thing only. So, yeah, if you do end up, if there ends up being some partners that do come with the show, you'll know that's something that I believe in and that I'm vetted. And I'm not doing it just for the money. I'm doing it because I think it's going to help people, uh, you know, high-quality guys, top-notch guys that are, invested in helping you you know with whatever that may be in the outdoors so yeah looking forward to that for the the year of 2024 and excited to keep doing this and once again appreciate you guys and thanks for listening hope you enjoyed this episode Today, Rona, and they had these like sayings. Yeah, for your last name. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I, yeah, we'll go get ahead. This started. All <laughs> right. Welcome to another episode of Michigan Wild. Tonight I have Rob Rona on, and not to be confused with the Rona virus, but you know, that's uh, <laughs> that we're just joking around about that. But uh, hey, welcome tonight, Rob. How's it going, man? Yeah. Thanks. Going well. Thanks for having me. Did you uh, get snowed in today at all or? How was it for you in your area of, the, of, the, of Michigan? I did. Yeah, I was actually supposed to go over to uh, do some work on the uh, west side of the state, you know, about an hour away, and then got turned around because of the weather and yeah. um, wasn't wasn't conducive for what we were planning to do today and windy. Yeah, well, um, I was going to say the wind, yes. Yeah. I, you know, do construction, and I, I showed up at the job site, worked for a few hours this morning. Like, let's take an early lunch, and then we happened yeah. to maybe stay in the truck for a little bit because it was a little colder after lunch, and then the oh, last yeah. few hours I worked, got a little, got a few things done, but definitely not as much as normal. But yeah, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's it's Christmas, looking like Christmas I outside. Know. <laughs> I love, I love being outside, but there's certain days where it's like, yeah, I kind of want to just be inside, you know? Yeah, <laughs> my face is all red and hot right now because yeah. I've been burned all day. Yeah, it's, it's just, it is time. Yeah. But you do sleep good. When you're outside when it's cold right. out, you get home, you sleep yep. good that night. So yeah. But uh yep. no, I, I'm looking forward to this conversation because me too. You know, you were a guy that I I reached out to a few other people and you were recommended to me. So I know I reached out to you through uh social media and then come to find out you happened to run into my buddy Drew Hassler, uh mm-hmm. and kind of connected through that and then looked on social media and we're like, Oh, hey, the same guy reached out to me. So it's kind of a small world. 
and yeah. uh, we finally got this to go together but i had reached out to you kind of early season or maybe before even october and then come to find out you've had a great fall so it's going to work really nice to have a good right. conversation about that stuff so yeah. but uh why don't we so if you want to say how old you are, how long you've hunted in Michigan, you know, kind of give us a quick little backstory to you before we kind of get into some of this stuff. That'd be great. Yeah. So I'm 42 currently and have a family, wife and four kids, and we live up in the Greenville area, but I'm from the, from Grand Rapids, northeast side of Grand Rapids. So I grew up hunting. Um, I, so I'll take that back. I grew up, um, my dad was a big fisherman, big trout fisherman. So I grew up fishing and spending a lot of time on trout streams. And actually, I think because of that, just being, you know, in those wet areas near water, I saw a lot of deer and I just, it was something I was interested in and wanted to do. So I, I kind of taught myself. I went and checked out a bunch of books at the library. I remember I was like, you know, I think I was 10 or something like that. And I, at nine or 10, I started getting interested. And then eventually worked my way into bought my first bow and um you know learned practiced every day and just kind of taught myself and then from that time my my older brother then picked it up he saw what I was doing and and he's become a very serious um hunter too and hunts all over the place on public land and uh he shot some great deer in Michigan and nice. and uh then my younger brother so I'm the the middle of, of three boys and and my younger brother hunts too and so we it's something now that we, we can do as a family, which is awesome. And we can, you know, we're passing that on now to the next generation with our own kids. So, um, so yeah, I've been hunting for, um, bow hunting mostly. I gun hunt a little bit here and there, but, uh, usually once, once the orange army hits the woods, it's kind of like, uh, <laughs> my time to, to cut out of there yeah it's, it's like, even um, on good private you know small private properties that you might only have one person hunting man once gun season hits it is like are the yeah. deer are you deer alive still you know like, yeah. just, like what happened yeah. so you're a self-taught kind of hunter like you and your brothers got to learn so how yeah. was that growing up with you and your brothers learning how to bow hunt together i mean was it like hey let's pile in a vehicle you're the older one you can drive let's go tear up this piece of public ground or like what kind of how At was times, that yeah up? it was well it was a lot different and i i hunt it's kind of funny because we did hunt public land back then but we had back when we started hunting it was it was it was very few people bow hunted and it was it was kind of one of those things that i mean if you remember back i don't know how long you've hunted but the the equipment you know was we had these, you know, those old aluminum, Easton aluminum arrows, and not that there was anything wrong with that, but just like the the level of technology and the way that everything is advanced has has really changed. Um, and people just it wasn't it wasn't nearly as popular as it is today. So like I I would ask people, even people who gun hunted on their own property, and they'd say, Oh, you want a bow hunt? Yeah, go ahead, you know. And it was it was it wasn't looked at as a serious form of hunting and, and not a threat you know so we hunted a lot of private like small tracts of private land you know in the suburb areas where we grew up and you know a lot of that has either been developed or you know we've kind of just over the years lost lost permission and yeah. so it's like so we've kind of i've drifted back now over the years to to embracing the challenge of hunting public land um just because I know it makes me a better hunter and I'm teaching my son to do the same thing. And, 
and um, I, I hunt a little bit of, of private, um, and I, I would do it more if I had more opportunities, but by and large, I just kind of haven't really kept up on those those opportunities to hunt private land, you know, um, where you get permission and, um, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's different, but it's so there's pros and cons to it. I, I like being able to, um, you know, again, know that if I know that if I can be successful on public land, I can be successful anywhere. And there's, yep. there's a different type of challenge. And for people who hunt in Michigan, especially on public land, they, they know what I'm talking about. It's, yep. um, that's a, that's a great different deal. You know, just from hearing how your approach is, you know, seeing from, you know, like I kind of followed your season from the outside looking in, you know, through social media, you really embrace the, the adventure or the story, the, you know, hunting it down or kind of like learning a property and going in there, you know, kind of like with a game plan or like you're methodical kind of with how you attack it. And that's probably from, because you've done it for a long time. So like someone like me, you take the, I take that approach on private land. Cause I, I primarily hunt private land here in Michigan, but I do, I have hunted public and I have cameras out and I got my areas, but like when I go out of state, I hunt a lot of public land. Like I did this year in yeah. Illinois. Um, but it's kind of fun because you can take that same approach that you hear all these guys talk about, you know, with hanging yeah. hunts and being mobile and doing that, but opposed to only being able to do that on 20 acres, you got like 2000 yeah. acres you can do That's it on. Right. So it's yeah. like super fun. And like, it's easy to get up in the morning and go do that because you're like, dude, I can walk in this spot way back here. And you, you almost can like get a little too involved, you know, like you might overthink yeah. it, but it's a lot of fun doing that. And I'm yeah, just waiting for that day that I'm able to run an arrow through a, you know, a nice buck or whatever on state land or public ground. And it's going to probably have a little bit different of a, a feel because it's been like a long journey. Like, I mean, I've been, like I said, I've been hunting out of state with my dad for like 10 years and we, we've, we hunt private and we hunt public just kind of depending on where we go. And I've had a lot of opportunities at, you know, smaller deer and, you yeah. know, bucks that I'm not really after. So I'm being like really picky um, with, I know I'm being really picky on that. So when it does come together, it's going to be like, dude, that's been like years in the making. I can't believe it finally happened, yeah. you know, kind of a thing. So yeah, it's quite, quite the, quite a cool adventure. So I see the, I see the, I see why people are really like, I'm just going to hunt public because mm -hmm. like, that's the challenge. Like that's what, that's what drives. I'm sure that's what helps drive you to be successful or do the scouting you do or whatever those, I mean, I mean the one spot you went this year, how long did it take you to get from your truck to like in your tree? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great example of, I would say most of the places I hunt with a few exceptions are, you know, it's, it's it's probably only about i would say about a half mile uh, which is longer than than it seems but it's half miles no joke right it's a half mile and it's this area is very pressured it's very thick it's like a jungle of um there's a lot of like pricker bushes a lot of a lot of that undergrowth it's um smaller trees and and um there's a lot of autumn olive and just like that stuff gets so thick um red, you know the black raspberries and the stuff that you just like you you get after dark especially i've gotten turned like, around a few times and there's the been a nightmare <laughs> so it takes yeah it can take i've there's been times where it's taken me over an hour to get out of that spot but um in general yeah i mean it takes me probably 
um, you know, good a good half hour to get back there, and and then probably another half hour to set up because I'm setting up really quietly, and quietly. I'm yeah. I, I'm getting close to a bedding area, so I'm taking that last, um, you know, um, as I'm starting last hundred yards or so, and I'm I'm trying to just be really careful about where I step, and and you know, if I break a twig or something, I'm I'm just like, you know, I kind of try to act like a deer. I you know. I've had pretty good success mm-hmm. and I, I've been able to um, <laughs> go right into these bedding areas. And there's been times where they, they popped up like, you know, 30 yards from where I set up, you know, and I didn't see them there, but they, they just were there. They stayed there and I, I set up quietly. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, you know, it's a cool feeling just knowing that you can get close enough and, and understanding what the deer are doing and why they're back in those places. So yeah. that's the challenge. And like you yeah. said, Go ahead. No, I was going to say, like, that's doing, being able to do that. I mean, the challenge, I was just trying to think, you know, like, typically this isn't like, all right, wake up an hour before dark or hour before it gets light out, you know, get to your drive to your spot. You know the path. You're going a straight line to a preset. You're up in the tree yeah. and you're hunting in, like, 10 minutes, you know. I mean, right. when you're te- tearing off into some of this thick you know, like, yeah, half, you know, you hear the guys that are, you know, oh, I go two miles in or three miles in. Well, how much of that was on a two lane track, two track or a cut path? (laughs) Like some of these half mile tracks, it's like, as soon as you get out of the truck, it's nasty. Like there's no, like it can be that way. And like trying to, trying to navigate that, especially on a morning set or try Mm -hmm. to navigate that even when it's daylight out to like get in on these deer that are bedded. And then you have to set up without them seeing you is like, Mm -hmm. I don't know it's hard to explain how to do that until you've just done it a bunch. Like there's an art to it. And how do you, so like my question is like, how do you, how do you find the spot to set up in something like that? Is that something you've pre-scouted or pre-hunted? So you have a really good game plan or are you kind of like hunting your way in in the afternoon or how do you find those good spots in the thick cover? Good question. It's a combination. It's definitely a little bit of both. So I try to do some scouting in the, you know, after the gun season or um, early spring, I I like it if there's no snow on the ground. Um, I also started doing a lot of. Uh, I've actually been finding some good places. Do I I've picked up mushroom hunting and um, particularly foraging for morels in the spring. And so I go back to a lot of areas and I'm I find, man, you know, like this is an area where I've seen these deer trails like you know, I should explore this. And so I'll be out there looking for mushrooms and I end up doing it, finding some nice, like a nice bedding area that didn't really know was back there. Um, so it is definitely uh, a combination of, I, I try to do as much scouting as I can. Um, and if you can, that's the best time to get to know an area because mm. you can pressure it as much as you want. You can find individual beds. Um, but a lot of times too, yeah, it's, it's like I take an evening, I try to get out, you know, middle of the day and just and scout my way in, walk in really quietly. And, um, I use, um, I use Onyx, you know, and I'm, I'm, um, trying to locate areas that I want to check out. And you, you can only get to so many areas, even if, when you go out scouting, saying, I'm sure you've done this before where it's like, okay, I'm going to go scout this area. And that's like, I want to, check out all these spots and you you might get to like you have a dozen spots picked out you might get to three of them if you're if you're lucky you know because it's like 
um, it, it's it's a challenge to you know to do all that in, in the off season. So yeah, definitely a combination. And I try to I try to find if I can hot sign you know something where where I'm seeing big tracks. That's usually the best indication of like you know if I see a big you know four finger wide track, I know that's a that's a mature buck. And I've got a few places where oh man, I've I've had some close calls. Uh, even this year that that didn't quite work out and deer in the dude it is such a challenge in these these thick areas on public land these deer are so like the big ones they know like they i know there's no such thing as like a, a unshootable deer like a truly nocturnal but these things they they will stay there close to their bed until it's dark dark and then they like i'll hear them moving around but they're in the cat fields mm-hmm. and they're and you know it's not impossible it's just like you have to you have to know exactly where they are and you have to wait till exactly the right wind and have like some shooting lanes or something where you can either hunt from the ground a lot of times there's no you know good trees close by it's like the these public land mature bucks on public land in michigan are a different breed of animal than than the general mature buck which is different than yeah because there's not as many the rest of, of deer you know that's the hardest right. part is like there's so few of them that the odds are so stacked to, to get to be mature especially i feel like on state ground they have mm-hmm. to have slipped through the cracks somehow so like they're already predisposed mm-hmm. to liking yeah. those really thick areas and then you have hey. to somehow yeah. pop in undetected find the right zone and have that shot be probably 20 or under because it's so thick. Maybe you get lucky and get a pocket a little farther, but you're absolutely right because the bigger deer that I've found on state land are in these areas. That's like, man, dude, I like, I'm just going to let a trail camera sit right here because I think I can hunt out of that tree or that tree or that tree. I'm in the zone, let it sit all year. And I'm like, cool. He came through and daylight this day, that day. Okay. Where was the wind coming from that day? It's like, man, I would have access like this he probably yeah. would have pegged me, you know, yeah, like you he would have pegged me because yeah. I wasn't, you know, because they have so many options. Cause that was another mm-hmm. thing I kind of lead this into when you find like a thick bedding area. I mean, do you feel like those bucks are like really bouncing around in that zone or do you feel like they have like one or two beds? Cause I'm like a believer that they have like multiple beds and if they have a really good area, it's kind of like a crapshoot of knowing exactly when they're going to be in one side of it or the middle of it, or if they're going to walk through a certain time. So I didn't know if you kind yeah. of had like a formula that you like to use for that or, or what? Cause I mean, sometimes it's just like flip a quarter and you just got to go for it, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, t- you're, you're spot on. And, and I would agree with you because it's like a, generally speaking, I try to, I, I think, yeah, they have multiple options. Usually there's a lot of different areas. There's like a general bedding area, and it can range. It might be, it might be, I don't know, like a, a forty-yard square, or it might be a couple hundred yards that they have, like all these different areas where they can be bedded in a number of places, and that can make a huge difference, you know. And and it's hard to know. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's hard to know where they're going to be and why they're going to be bedded there. You know, I definitely try to play the win, but like you said, it's it's a challenge sometimes it's like you caught toss a coin and it's like well i i want to i think they're going to be back there one of the one of the things i would say um would i like a uh, either a mistake that i see a lot of people make 
a lot of times people will say, well, like the winds come, you know, they want the wind in their face, which is, which is great. You know, you play the wind, you know, you walk into the wind to go hunting, but you have to be, you know, if it's a great, if it's a perfect wind for a hunter, chances are the deer is not, you know, a mature buck especially is not going to be working that area because they, they are going to always use the wind to their advantage because that's their primary sense, you know? And so, mm-hmm. um, a lot of times it's just like a slightly off wind and I've gotten busted. I've got, you know, had a lot of hunts screwed up where you go in and you've got, you know, a Northeast wind and all of a sudden it changes Southwest, you know, completely or whatever. It's like swirling mm-hmm. winds and, and they're, <laughs> you know, it's like, I know a lot of people say, well, get done down and hunt somewhere else. And it's, you know, I I generally just hunt it out, and I'm Sometimes like, you just you gotta know, ride the hole, man. Exactly. Ride you know, um, and you you have a plan going into it, and then sometimes when you get back there, you know, I will say too, it's um, I've gotten back into some areas thinking like, man, I take my time, and I I get way back, and I'm like, I I was like, several times this happened to me, and it's getting more to the point where I'm thinking. You know, there's no signs of people, and I'm like, I'm going to have this spot all to myself, and I'm picturing some giant, you know, bunch of giant bucks in this you know, unpressured area, and then I see a big ladder stand, and I'm like, how the heck did somebody get a ladder stand back here? You know, it's like, it's like it, I, I don't understand. I literally helicopter it into this, you yeah. know, or like. Oh, dude, that's hilarious. Like, yep. <laughs> I so had that in Illinois. Me and, did you? Uh, yeah. me and Brent, so that was Drew's brother. This was like yeah. second to last day. There was a spot on the map. I was like, dude, this is a saddle of all saddles. It looks like it's open. Yeah. It looks like it could be like a little grassy spot. I was like, I guarantee you there's going to be scrapes right here. We got to go back yeah. in there. And it was like quite the walk. We had, I think it was a mile, 1.1 or 1.2 miles from the truck. And we had to walk down. Uh, fortunately, there was like a nice little easement that we were able to walk down. So like the first little jog was good. But then we had to like hop in this creek system and like walk up this like rocky nasty like kind of creek and it was like kind of uphill the whole time so i mean you're walking 75 degrees and i'm like dude this is looking good like it there's good thick cover around it we get into the saddle and i'm like dude yeah look at that scrape you can see the rubs you're like 50 yards from me like dude we could hunt you, anyone can hunt all around this we walk up in there look over and there's this giant two-man ladder stand and we were like yeah how the heck does this thing get who who carried it back here you know right so then you're like yeah. you're like okay how you climb over there and it's been there forever you know like it looks like yeah, it's been hunt- exactly. you can tell people hunted out of it and it's like yeah uh, and then we like happen to look over and we're like well the neighboring property is private and it's pretty open and he was like mm-hmm. i guarantee you there's a trail and we walked yeah. over and looked at our miles. Sure enough, there's a trail coming off the yeah. private. So someone probably quadded it, you know, back there. Maybe we're just drug it on a sled. We have no idea. But I was like, gosh, that was so far back there. It's such a crappy walk. And then you get there and you're yeah. like, this is going to be it. And there was buck sign there. Don't get me wrong. Like, it was just one of those things where it wasn't worth hunting our last day because, you know, there's so many things that you got to take into consideration. But I can't tell you times that happens. You're like, this is going to be money and you get there and there's a stand or there's like a bucket yeah. or there's something. And there's just like, yep, yeah. someone's been hunting this. <laughs> yeah. And you don't know too. Sometimes, sometimes it is like, you know, somebody set that up for gun season like three years ago and they just left it back there. And yep. it's kind of a sad thing because it, it kind of drives me nuts because we're supposed to take stands down at the end of the season. I mean, that's, that's the law, but yep. a lot of people just don't. 
and um you know because that's that's the other thing like sometimes i want to hunt an area and that people might not be hunting there but there's like three stands in this area and it and it mm-hmm. and i just like like because you know you don't own a spot on public land you know like i, I don't know i just it, it kind of bugs me a little bit you know when like if someone has like a ladder stand like that's my spot and nobody else can hunt it you know because i've got a ladder stand here and yep. it's like well i don't want to hunt your ladder stand i just want to hunt this spot and i you know but it, it's hard to know you know and you try it's to get, get along with yeah. people and if i see people in the woods i you know i i try to just get to know them and know where they're yeah. going to be and i tell them i'm on the open book you know and i say this is where i I've, I've actually met some cool some cool dudes you know by by hunting that way and just being kind and try to try to understand, you know, Hey, it looks like we push deer to each other or something. If you're going in, I'll let you get set up. And then I'm going around and yep. this area, maybe something will, you know, will I'll, maybe I'll push something out to towards you and try to work together. You know, we all have, you know, we all want the same mm-hmm. thing, you know, and, and yep. I mean, within, within reason, right? You know, course, you're, yeah. you're cordial, like you want to be cordial because you don't want to ruin anyone else's hunting. And you're hoping exactly, that that yeah. kind of good karma will keep it from your hunting and ruined. So, do you run trail cameras yeah. on some of your public spots? A few, yeah. I, 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 by and large, I, I don't just because I, I, so many of them have gotten stolen, yeah. and um, I, I do try to put them up high, and um, you, know, I'll take like a climbing stick and I'll, I'll throw them up there, you know, maybe ten feet or so, just, just to make it a little bit more of a challenge, but. Yep. I yeah, just want to ask it, because I was just wondering if you see, you know, because on state land, I mean, I would say there's more human traffic during hunting season. So, like, the last three yeah. years, I've had one camera in the same yeah. tree for three years in a row. And the first year, I had good daylight buck activity um, and does almost every day. A uh, guy went through, like, first week of October, you know, he was walking around with his crossbow um, and, like, a... Um, Oh, like a little tripod chair. So like he was ground hunting, yeah, you yeah. know, and he could, yeah. uh, my, what it looked like to me, he had hunted in the morning and then he like was going back in a little farther to maybe hunt that night. It was like midday. Um, I don't know how much, maybe he scouted. I don't really know. Um, it was one of those things where I was like, okay, it was probably, he were probably hunted. That camera was dead for, cause I leave, I leave the cameras up like all year just to try to get a good feel for it. That spot was dead for four weeks before I saw daylight buck activity. There were still bucks on camera, but they didn't come back to daylight. So, and then yeah. I didn't know how much that was maybe to human pressure, or, you know, anything like that. So the November rolls around, uh, there was some more daylight pictures of the same bucks were kind of come back. They were daylighting. Those were kind of come back daylighting. And then he had the typical November push of guys hunting more. And I think I saw yeah. me two guys doing the similar thing. It was like, it was like in the late morning, kind of middle of the day. So I'm assuming these guys are scouting like, or something. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to see any more deer, you know. And then after they move that that like day, there's like two or three days of those guys walking around. It's like they never messed the deer up at all. Like they just were, it didn't yeah. matter. Dude walked by a few hours later, daylight buck. I'm like, what's going on? And then gun season came around, same thing. There's guys on there with guns um, doing the same kind of yeah. just walking around middle of the day that same afternoon. I mean, a really nice eight point. Like I'm Like it was one of those ones I saw it. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to like go hunt this spot like this deer's giant and uh he was on there twice and both times he was on there was shortly after someone walked by my camera so then i'm like okay 
are these deer backtracking these guys or are they like watching guys walk by and then this is like an escape route so like yeah. I got all these things going on in my head yeah so fast forward to now same thing happened last year early season pressure from people walking around deer disappear once november pressure comes around that doesn't affect the deer it seems like so it's almost like yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to handle pressure on yeah. the public is what I'm trying to say. Like, I don't know how much of it deters deer or how much of it doesn't deter deer. Like, Oh, guys are parked there. I just need to give up on the spot. Like it's so like, that's one of the hardest things for me to like comprehend. It's like, yeah. when is there too many guys here? When do I need to like abandon ship or when do I just need to go hunt? You know? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. No, you're speaking my language. That's like, I, I <laughs> and I don't have like, I don't think there's a secret recipe, you know, it's, it's just, um, I, I deal with all the same things, you know, and it's, and it's, there's times where it's like, yeah, you get like, there's hardly a parking place in a, in a spot. And it's like, oh man, you know, <laughs> it's like, well, I really wanted to hunt this spot, but you know, I just, like, let's find a plan B, you know, and, yeah. and sometimes you go back there too. And I've gone to places where it's like, you're the only car, car in the parking lot and you get so far back into a spot then we start to run into like pressure from the other side of the property, you know, like where people are coming in from the complete opposite <laughs> side. There's mm -hmm. such a, it's, it's tough, you know, it's, it's really tough. It's to hard to explain the pressure. It's hard to explain to people. Yeah. It's hard to explain to people. Cause I've walked and hunted state land in other States, Michigan, uh, at least the stuff that I've hunted, granted, I've seen some stuff on maps that maybe aren't as bad, but mostly most of the state land that you can hunt is pretty accessible. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like from yeah. like you just said, like you can only go so far. And then once you're past that point, just drive around the block or drive around the section. You can come in off the other way. You know, there's yep. not really, they're not like really tucked into a spot. That's like, man, the only way I'm hunting that really good area is if I really make a, a good walk, you know, now I'm not talking yeah. like some of the, um, some of the lakeshore stuff, you know, you really have to go back in there a long ways to get to it. You know, guys will bike yeah. or whatever you got to do. But a lot of yeah. these like smaller state land pieces, it's like, oh, I want to hunt the, you drop a pin in the middle of it. And then you do line distance. The farthest you are from a road is half mile, you right. know, and it's a pretty, exactly. I mean, there's a, there's a few hundred acres there. So, I mean, it's not tiny, yeah. but that's a challenge in Michigan. Go to Illinois. Mm -hmm. It's like, man, I got I want to go over there. It's three quarters of a mile and it's not flat. It's, it's like shelved out or like you know there's like yeah. steep terrain you gotta walk through this and walk up that and gain elevation and do all those kind of things michigan nah it's just flat it might be wet you know swampy yeah. is kind of like a big hurdle but other than that it's just yeah. it's a different element it's kind of weird it's like hard to explain until you start hunting it yeah i do a lot of like um i i would say about probably 50 percent of my hunts this year for instance were like i had waders on i hunt i just hunt right in my waders so I, i'm nice. using them to cross a stream or you know get into an area where and sometimes i don't know too you know it's like it's swampy and wet and i hate going over my boots you know so i just wear mm -hmm. waders i'm like if it's if there's a risk of like you know i'm going in through a cattail area it's wet you know you hit a little sinkhole and i've been <laughs> i've had that too where i'm stuck I, there was one time I was hunting close to, to close to you in that same, you know, yeah. track publicly we were talking about and, um, you know, west side of west side of Michigan, uh, lower Michigan there. And my brother was hunting the other side of the swamp and he was expecting me out, you know, to meet him in the parking lot. And and I was stuck back there and I didn't, of course, 
didn't have, I lost a cell signal in that area, but I got stuck up to my waist and I didn't, I, I, I struggled there trying to get out for like, for a while. I started getting concerned because I'm like, it took me 45 minutes um, oh, geez. or like between a half hour and 45 minutes to like get unstuck. And then I, I believe had to walk back. My brother was like, he was concerned. He's like, am I going to have to call this thing, you know, like a search and rescue party or like what yeah. is going on? And Cause I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't call him. And he finally was kind of pissed at me. Like, well, what, you know, why did you get back there? Like, I'm like, yeah, I just, but get my know, core workout it, in for the night. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. But in, in some of that, it's like, um, yeah, it's, it's a challenge, you know, to, to get away from people and, and, like that spot, I'll, I'll like I'll go into. You were asking about that spot where I shot my doe. So yeah, um, and and that here's another thing too that like there's I've noticed there's like kind of seasonal migrations. Like what you're talking about, early October is a lot different than you know mid November or like when the leaves are off the trees. That you know that really in my experience is pu- pushes deer like when the leaves are off the trees, it pushes deer into these swampy areas where um, I've hunted them in the, it depends on the area. Sometimes they're, they just kind of are back in those areas all year and they bed there and stay there. But there's other areas where if you hunt there throughout most of October, it's like, it's kind of devoid of, of deer. There's deer trails back there and maybe mm-hmm. a few kind of here and there, but it's like, they don't really start using it until it gets to be that, that time when, you know, it's that, November, it's, it's, you know, everything's kind of that grayish brown color and leaves are off the trees. And, and, um, so it's like being aware of those, those shifts and, and trying to adapt. Um, yeah, you go, you go back into a spot and you have a plan and then, you you know, you, you see something you don't expect. And, um, but, but yeah, I, I mean, going back to the, the story of that, that doe, that was the spot I was. Okay, before we start the story of the doe, I want to ask a couple yeah. things though. So let's. Yeah. I do want to tie into that. So what I want to get some of your gear. So what do you like to use for your, you know, your hunting setup? Like your, are you a stand guy, a saddle guy? Um, what kind of like you sticks? Are you, you know, aiders? Like what? What kind of stuff do you like to do for that? Yeah, that's a well. I'm I'm gonna I'm in the process of changing some of that up. Um, but yes, I do. I like hunting out of a stand. I use a lightweight tree stand. I use Lone Wolf Custom Gear. They have a, a 5.7, uh, they have the call it the 0.5 public land yep. uh, stand. It's very lightweight. Um, you put it on your back, you can put a backpack on top of it. And then I've actually, I've used the old style Lone Wolf uh, climbing sticks that have three steps on them. Yep, and I, I don't, those, you know, the OG. Yeah, so they, <laughs> yeah, I actually drilled holes in mine, um, like the, you know, like beast gear style. Like I kind of mm-hmm. drilled my own holes, and I was like, I don't know how if it makes any difference on, uh, you know, saving on on weight at all. But I'm, I'm, I'm not even, I'm not even two hundred pounds, so I'm like, I can handle probably, um, you know, like taking some of that, like you know, a lot of the stuff is rated for 300 pounds and, yep. and, you know, that's, that's great if you're a bigger dude, but, um, I try to, yeah, I like weight. If I can, 
if I can reduce weight, there's sometimes where I'm like, I don't even want to take binoculars back there because yeah, it's just that extra weight, you know, and I'm trying to, you know, it adds up in a hurry. So, um, I, know, I, the I do have that, a, so the guys that give you a hard time about weight. So I'm a big guy. So I'm six foot one, two forty. You know, two depending on uh-huh. wintertime, two fifty, summertime, two thirty five, two forty, kind of a thing. And uh, I, oh, man, it's I don't. I'm trying to think. I say I'm big. I'm strong in construction. Like I can carry crap. Yeah. But when you go from a like the lone wolf um, assault. No, sorry, I use the alpha. Lone Wolf Alpha yeah. tree stand. When I went from carrying that and those four three-step sticks like you're talking yeah. about and my backpack, yep. dude, I would be whooped after like two or three days of my out-of-state hunts carrying that thing around yeah. and doing hanging hunts. Your lower back. That, it's like, yeah, dude, you're killing yeah. it. Like, and then you go yeah. from that to us. Like I've I've been hunting on a saddle. You know, I do I do stands and I have like a B stand and like I have the Lone Wolf Alpha still and I have some other stuff. So I kind of do yeah. both, but when I go out of state, I primarily use my saddle to be able to just like carry a backpack with four sticks in a, in a small saddle platform on it is night and day different. Like when you're like, when you're only walking like a quarter mile on some flat ground, who cares how much weight you have. But when you're doing that, you're like making business decisions at the truck. You're like, okay, I got to walk how far Uh video camera staying in the truck. Yeah. extra battery pack yep. staying in the truck you know like how much water can i get yeah. by with i can get the small water i know bottle, yeah. so the big water bottle you do all these <laughs> yeah. things that you like if you don't if you haven't been in that position you if you've been in that position you know exactly what we're talking about so like oh, yeah. having a lightweight tree stand is a game changer in that way because yeah. you're unless you shoot it on the first time in but a lot of times you're doing these hanging hunts multiple times a fall like yeah. it's a grind yep. so like it adds up it, it can yep and and yeah, I've gone from like in the past, I, I used a lone wolf climbing climber for a long time. Um, one of the, um, you know, uh, uh, what do they call it? The hand climber and, um, climber, you yeah. know, that, but you know, to get into these areas and so they started coming out with, I, I do have a saddle. So I was going to, um, going to say is that I just, for the most part, I like hunting out of a tree stand and, um, it's a little easier for me to set up. I've got like a little homemade camera arm that I use to, to, I've been starting to film my own hunts, even though nice. I, I haven't really done anything with that, but I was able to document like, you know, um, I actually, I shot the doe I shot and the, the, um, buck my son shot. I got those both on camera, but I didn't actually get the shot, um, this year cause they, they just escaped the, the camera and, you know, it adds an extra challenge to it, but, you know, um, I, I primarily just use my phone, but, you know, cause that gear can add up too. you've got a camera arm and then mm-hmm. if you've got a camera and you're, you know, like there's a lot of, it comes down to, yeah, like ounces sometimes and being really choosy of, um, I've got these, uh, well, oh, yeah, I won't show Oops. <laughs> Sorry, Dude, it's business decisions, man. Oh, your gonna... hips and your lower back. You see your lower back. It's just like, man. Totally. I got. I I've got some uh, latitudes uh, sticks, and I'm gonna get some. Oh, nice. climbers. I I didn't. I haven't. I was just gonna show you the box here. I've got. I've got three of those, and I'm gonna replace. That's gonna. I'm gonna try that next fall. They're a little smaller profile, so that I can mm-hmm. get. You know. Um, they're the carbon sticks. I, I don't know what they are. They're yeah, like speed series. I think they call them 16 ounces or, or 18. Yep. Yeah. 
they're they're really lightweight yeah, and um drew drew hassler used those this year yeah. he had those down in illinois and that's where i met him he was, he was buying some yeah yeah they're sweet yeah. sick i think he uses yeah i think he uses he used three only three and maybe one yeah. eater or maybe he had eighters on all three i can't remember we'll do a podcast oh. with him here in a couple yeah. weeks but about his story doing that but yeah it was uh those are a sweet stick and they pack down real nice and they bite in the tree, especially for, you know, he's similar to you, you know, you're not these huge dudes. So a uh, stick like that is for him. It's like size 10 boot or 11 boot, whatever he's got. It's like all the room in the world, you know, going up there. Here I am size 14 boot, you know, kind of grill up a tree. Sometimes I kind of got to make up my mind how I want to do that. But yeah, those are a rock yeah. solid stick for sure. Yeah, totally. Well, you have a system in place. Like you've been doing this for a long time. So, like you said, you know what you're comfortable with. And there's something to be said about that. Before we get this is like one one point I want to touch on before getting into your story. Cause uh I there's something to be said about being confident with your setup. So I, you know, this year I kind of I've always been the guy that likes gear, but like I don't try to like base my life or like my hunting career on gear I have, but I do like nice stuff. And I switched bows this year um, and then I switched arrows like midway through the summer shooting and try to do some things, try to get a little too cute, you know, trying to do this mm-hmm. kind of thing, trying to, Oh, I want to be able to shoot farther. Like not because I was going to shoot deer farther, but just like, man, it'd be kind of nice to have an arrow that I can, you know, have a 600 grain arrow and have a 500 grain arrow. They both shoot the same, just use different sight tapes. And what, for what reason? I don't really know. Just because I <laughs> something different, you know, and that big yeah. early season, you know, for sure. And, uh, it just goes back to being confident with your setup. Like I, you know, yeah. being able to hunt out of a tree stand and know that when you get to this tree or you get to your zone and you look around and you're like, okay, the wind's blowing here. Cause you've got this dial, you're dropping your milkweed or you're doing whatever, you know, you've hunted here before I got to be in this tree right there. And you look at that tree from 20, 30 yards away and you're like, yep, you can just watch yourself climb that tree. And you're like, I need to put my stand right there. Good to go. Your confidence level is so much higher because you can walk right to that tree. You make your mind up, you do it. You're sitting there and you're like, I'm ready to go. Nothing worse than going to a spot and be like, oh gosh, I should have been back there, you know, or tree or you get halfway up the tree and it's doing something weird. And you're like, I don't know how to set this platform up because when it used to be in the saddle, or, you know, yeah. three, you know, all there's so many things going against you that if you can have your system dialed going into the fall, yeah. it's just going to make it that much easier on you to try to see. It's, a, it's a constant tweaking too, at least for me, you know, like I'm each year I'm, I'm changing stuff up. I was trying to, trying to show you here. My, I couldn't, I ended up turning off my camera, but the, yeah, the, you know, the sticks that I got, I, I'm, I'm excited about that just because of the lower profile and, and um, yeah, that's, that's a big thing too, is to practice, you know, whatever you're going to hunt out of. Um, I try to like once, you know, before the season starts, I try to make my <laughs> changes as far away from the season as possible. But, you know, um, sometimes you can't help it. Like last year I had, uh, I ended up, um, somehow slicing my bowstring it had like half of it was um had a nick i think it was maybe it hit one of my one of my climbing steps one of my sticks uh, steps on my stick when i was pulling the bow up or yeah. i don't know what happened maybe barbed wire um 
but ended up having to, I was like, damn, <laughs> I had to replace that mid season and, and, um, you know, just practiced a lot. Fortunately, it didn't, didn't change too much on my, you know, on my sites and everything was pretty, uh, still pretty good. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it makes a big difference. Like those, the time it takes to set up, you know, and, and being aware of, of that, like you said, you, or you, you get back all the way back to the, to the spot and it's like, dang, I forgot my, got my safety harness or something like, you know, essential, like, or, you know, if you, if you're hunting with a saddle and you don't really need a harness or you, you know, it's like, so yeah, it's having a system is, is huge and just trying to like, I'm, I'm pretty like a, a stickler on my system, but at the same time, I'm open to making improvements and, you know, figuring out ways to, to make it lighter, better, more efficient, you know, cause good. the more efficient you are, the more you can hunt, you know? Yeah. <laughs> love it. Love it. All right. So let's go into this. I don't, I almost want to label this or title this podcast, like Rob's trophy doe. Cause you, the story was like, it was like, you're, you know, I loved your approach to it. I, I, you know, like you did a very well, good job articulating your hunt and like the, what you were doing. So it was like, to me, I was like trophy doe hunt. I don't, maybe you titled that already in the post you made. I'm not sure, but like, that's just what sticks to my head. And, uh, I would love to kind of get started in that. And, you know, cause I've been talking kind of last couple weeks about, you know, I've brought it up about how. You know, you, other states shoot way more does, you know, compared to bucks and Michigan's kind of skewed in that department. And, you know, a lot of us got that email from, you know, the DNR or, or yeah, Pat Stewart yep. or whatever. Um, you know, there's been all sorts of different people backlash and blah. Like, I don't, I'm not really trying to get into any of that, but for my experience, yeah. for, I can only base off of my experience in like my inner circle, like comp and compare it to other states. Like one of the glaring things that I notice is one michigan has way more hunters um mm -hmm. two we shoot more bucks per square mile than all the other midwest states and three our buck to doe harvest is way skewed so yeah. Yeah. for you totally. telling the story about your your trophy doe i was very encouraged by it i loved it and i would love for you to kind of dive into that a little bit for us tonight yeah well thank you first of all it, it uh, i feel the same way you know it's um I could go into a lot of the detail on the importance of, you know, APR. Of doe, like, I think the APRs are, are cool, but, you know, like if you don't harvest enough does, I mean, um, it, uh, let's just keep it as for the sake of time, <laughs> doe management is very important. And so yeah. it, it, like you said, I got that same email from the DNR and I, I actually in the post I made, I, I referenced that and put a link to the, to that article because I think they did a great job um, explaining that. And I think there's been a lot of years of there's a lot older kind of mentality of that. It's that it's wrong to shoot does, you know, because uh, that was kind of, you know, being a hunter for a long time in the past, that was kind of like for a long time, you couldn't get a doe to, you couldn't, you were only allowed to shoot bucks, you know, and, and mm -hmm. that mentality has kind of spilled over, over the years and I agree with you completely. Um, so yeah, without, I guess, again, for the sake of time, I'll, I'll just, uh, I'll just say that it wasn't my, it wasn't primarily what I was going for. Um, this air, this particular area as much of a pain as it is to get back there, knowing the pressure around there, I'm hunting very close to a bedding area and I'm 
I might get like two hunts in a season there. So it's like, I kind of want to try to make them count. And I, I was in this spot. Um, I think it was, no, it was October 5th or something like that. October 6th. I don't remember, but it was, um, yeah, it was the first time I had hunted the spot and I was really excited to go back there because I've had a lot of great luck early season and I've had, you know, like I know there are bucks back there bedded, you know, close by. And I got, you know, everything set up and um and it was like still plenty of, of light, but it was raining at the time too. And so it was like just one of those days where it was, it ended up pouring rain and I was like, well, I'm already here and I'm just going to be wet. So I might as well stick it out. And, and I was like, maybe this will help. But this deer walked out, you know, maybe into this like, um, it's like an overgrown clearing. You know, once you get past the thick stuff, it kind of opens up and that's part of why the deer bed back there. Cause they've mm. got, you know, they're in this little, this bowl, um, you know, they kind of, they use the wind to their advantage. And I knew it was like an off wind where they would be heading in the down, into the wind on this, you know, general downwind section of this, this entire, you know, public piece. And, and that is what happened, you know, from my experience, they like almost to a T, they always come from the same spot, but, but this time it was a doe that walked so out. Are they walking? They're like, they're coming from the thick area and they're using that lot, that transition where it's open and they like, yeah. hug, they kind of hug it, the bowl. And are you set up like on the edge of the bowl or are you kind of like off to one side kind of it? Of. Or how are you using that? Yeah. On the like center edge, I, there's a, there's these two, um, uh, poplar trees that are, you know, big enough to, um, you know, like break up my outline. Mm -hmm. Um, but <laughs> in this particular case, this deer looked up and saw me at, you know, she was like 67, 70 yards or so away when she came out into this area and she like right away looked up and she's, you know, doing the head bob <laughs> thing. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Like I'm, know. <laughs> I'm, I, you know, I try to be very careful and I, you know, keep a, a small and I, I'm, you know, anything that could flap in the wind, I'm, I'm, you know, tightening all that stuff up. And I, but, you know, I was maybe 18 feet up or so, and she just looked up and saw me. And so I'm like, <laughs> and, and then she kept getting closer and was, she started snorting and it, and it was like, I, you can see on the video, it's like in the middle of the rain, she's like blowing. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can see the, the rain and all the snot just, oh, just this big, yeah. uh, it's like, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, she's got me pegged. And, and so I knew at that point, you know, the, she was making so big of a fuss that I was like, okay, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to see a, a buck back here. And, and it had been a while since I had shot a deer. Like I was just like, I just wanted to kill something. Like I had that going <laughs> For me, I was like, mm -hmm. I, and I had just, you know, I was like, yeah, I want to make more of an effort to shoot some does. And, and, you know, I, I typically don't shoot does back there just because it's such a pain to get a deer out of that area that generally, like I would shoot a doe in an area that's a little easier to, to, yeah. to hunt. But like I said, I, at this point, 
this deer had me pegged and and it was a combination of like I'm so, soaking wet I've got my camera set up and it's you know I'm like I want to see if I can get this on film and and it I didn't end up getting a shot on film but she came in closer and closer and it was blowing at me the whole time and and it, it she ended up at like 30 yards and she was facing me and I drew when she was kind of behind one tree and she turned broadside and I was like, now's my chance. And I shot, but she was so alert. She totally, she jumped the string and turned right into the arrow and I, it hit her kind of high. Mm. And I was like, and um, the arrow stuck in her. I didn't get a pass through. And I was like, oh man. So I didn't get the shot on film. I didn't get an arrow and I didn't, wasn't exactly sure where I hit it, and I wasn't really getting a lot of blood. I, well, I, I backed out of there because I knew it was a marginal hit, and I didn't yep. even go. I knew I, knew I wasn't going to find an arrow, and I didn't, I didn't bother to look for blood. I just said, you know, I'm going to come back Years here the experience. next day. You get some yeah, good experience there. You know, we've, we've, we've been fortunate to have lots of intel with social media and a lot of guys that, mm-hmm. you know, shoot a lot of deer. That's... I know I probably would have found more deer of the deer I've hit in my, you know, journey or my archery career. If I would have just waited and been patient, yeah. I probably would have found 75% of the deer I didn't find, I bet, you know, cause I would yeah. push them, push them to a spot where I couldn't get them anymore. Or, you know, when it, you, you, the thing you learn, you know, that's like, like technology has helped in a lot of different ways, but so is like the reach of, you know, dog trackers and people who know how to track deer and the anatomy of deer and, you know, you watch these videos of where arrows hit deer yeah. and you say, oh my gosh, that's a dead deer. Like that's gotta yeah. be a dead deer. You know, and then they're like, nope, hit, hit the liver was still alive. You know, three hours later, we waited our two hours and it finally died. It's like, yep. geez, like, you know, that's, that's just the nature of it. You know, there's a whole art to that piece of it alone, you know, and just knowing when to do what and, and yeah, like, um, yeah, you learn from all those experiences, and and sadly, I mean, I hate to to say this, but a part of bow hunting is like I've uh, most of the biggest deer that I've not recovered, um, or most of the biggest deer that I've shot, I've yeah. not recovered, and I've had to learn the hard way through either either pushing it or just you know kind of doing what I thought was right, but not you know like it's it's amazing what they can live through and and um, so yeah, I, I agree with you completely. And then that's I just ended up backing out, and I was I was kind of kicking myself a little bit. I was you know talking to my brother afterwards, I'm like yeah, I shouldn't have shot it. You know, I just deer was like kind of came in, ruined, blowing at me, and I was kind of pissed off at a little bit too. Yep. I was like, I'm gonna shoot this thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, you ruined my hunt. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a dough. Why not? You know and. And then I'm, I'm sounds like, like backstraps when they're doing that. That's what I say. Sounds like yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, all right, I'm up for the challenge, and and um, it was kind of fun. I got you know, so I I waited, and it was it rained all night. You know, it was rained hard. And I w- knew I wasn't gonna be going off any blood, and um, I brought my son back there with me. We both had you know chest waders on, and we <laughs> we walked back into the spot and um he's he's been learning with me kind of just um he's 12 and he's a big kid you know he's 
he's almost my height already, you know, and um, he's learning to kind of do do things the hard way, and and that was what was cool about this experience. You know, we were we went back, got up early in the morning. Um, <laughs> I think the whole experience, like I think we got in there at like nine o'clock, and we didn't get out of there until like four o'clock or something like that. And it, it awesome. and finding it was like we we walked through kind of went in the direction where I thought it, I saw it run. And then, and then it got really thick. We had to cross this Creek and we're like blazing the trail. I'm like, I don't think I'd have gone here. And, and, um, my son said, you know, he was like, I think we should go check over on the other side of the Creek there again. And I was like, all right. You know, I was like, I've learned to like to trust a hunch, you know, mm-hmm. and I got to give him credit for, cause he, he just said something like that. You know, I think we're good. Like he was, I was starting to get kind of discouraged. I'm like, hey, you know, like I've had it happen so many times. I'm like, I've yep. got really nothing to go from here. And it's just kind of a grid search at that point. But we walked up there and sure enough, he's like, dad, I see it. You know, and he got like, it's kind of a cool moment where he, he was walking ahead of me looking around. We saw the white belly and sure enough, there she was. Um, there's your trophy doe. Pound doe. Yeah. Field yep, dress. That thing was doe. a, it was a big, it was a big deer. I, I, I should have aged it. I would have loved to know how old that thing was. She had a lot of gray on, you know, on her. And just Yeah, dude, I'm looking at the picture a, right now on, on uh, Facebook that you posted. I was like, yeah, head on that doe. Like, man, that's yeah. the kind of doe that I like <laughs> you with, you know? I mean, gray face, big old beak on her, you know? And her ears were like dark too. That was like the one thing yeah. I wore. It's like really dark ears. But, I mean, she had a chest. Like, she had, like, a chest. Like, yeah. that deer was for sure over three and a half years old. You know what I mean? It was yeah, not it was a fawn. Yeah. It, it was not a mature deer at all. And we, you know. It was so awesome. This, this year I, I had, um, so I work at a part-time at a local um, sporting goods store here in my area. And we had a big uh, buck pull during gun season. And we had scales for, for all the bucks that came in. And Yeah. And at one point there were three bucks hanging on the, on the pole and they were all, you know, 140 something pounds. And I was like, yeah, my doe, doe weighed, and these are like 120 inch bucks, you know, yeah. um, give or take, you know, some, some bigger and smaller, but, um, this deer, this deer was, uh, it was funny, you know, that a doe was, it, it, it's hard to tell from a picture, you know, cause it, it only goes so far, but that thing we were dragging it out of there and you don't have antlers to pull. So it was like, mm-hmm. we were going through thick stuff. It took us seven hours to get that thing out of, we had to get it out of the swamp first. And it was just kind of me dragging it. And then my son carrying the took equipment. You, and say that again, how long? Seven hours? Seven hours to get. Oh yeah. It took, gosh. it took probably the bulk of that time, you know, maybe four hour four or five hours just to, yeah. Um, to get to get yeah or no was it see well you said yeah we gotta find it first well you said nine o'clock and you didn't get back till four o'clock right or five o'clock yeah that's maybe that's what it was was seven hour yeah so that was so it took us maybe maybe more like you know five six hours something like that to haul it out either way but you were gone from the truck for seven you're gone from the truck for seven oh yeah you and know, we, we brought funny. a little bit of food. We were starving. <laughs> we're like, we got back to the car and we ended up, um, and we ended up putting on it on a stick. Like I, I found a, a log and we, I tied it up with some rope and we were carrying it on our shoulder to get it out, out of there. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, once we got on like an actual two track that we could haul it, and then once yeah. we got close enough to the car, we went back there and because we had we had blown through our water long before that point, so we went back there and we just like drank a bunch of water. We were both sweating and drenched, and you were like, <laughs> my son's like, uh, it was it was just a neat like what, seeing what him experience, and, you know? Yeah, it was just cool. It was cool to to have that have that experience to share it with him and yeah definitely was was proud of that dough like i feel like you know earned for sure earned that one <laughs> you were i was just gonna say that yeah. was an earned dough and i like think back yeah. to like all the memories so like you know I hunting with my dad um some of my most fondest memories are when we shoot a dough you know yeah. like the celebration that we've had after or the you know my first deer i shot with him when i was a kid was a doe um, you know, walking up to that deer, even being a doe, I still was shaking so bad. And, um, yeah. I remember having that moment with him. And I mean, every time he shoots a doe, like, it's usually always like if we end up sitting together, which it's been a while since we've done that because, you know, I've been older with, with Henry and, you know, my other younger siblings hunt with my dad, you know, growing up. But I know there's a few times me and him would sit in a blind together and it, a doe would come out like, it'd be like fight each other. Who's going to shoot like, no, you shoot it. No, you shoot it. No, you shoot it. Yeah. One time dad's like, man, my ears are ringing so bad from the deer I shot last week. I'm going to plug my ears so you can (laughs) shoot it. So then I end up shooting, you know, then it's a laugh fest and you know, you're giggling and you get to clean the deer together and do all those things. Like I just, as your 12 year old son getting to go do that with you, that could have been 120 inch buck. And it's the same, you know, because you, he learned the same kind of stewardship. He learned, the hard work it takes it doesn't matter at the end of the day it doesn't really matter what it is it's just more about yeah. the memories the learning you know and having that be yeah. a, a, a i've never taken that long to get a, a deer out of the woods because i've been fortunate yeah. not have to be that rugged but for you knowing good and well what you're getting yourself into <laughs> you still did it because you yeah. enjoy the journey you know like you knew right. that, that was part of the journey and you loved it and gosh it's it's good stuff man it is good stuff. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, and once you shoot, once you make the shot, it's like you owe it to the animal to, you know, to follow up and, and do everything you can to recover that animal. And, you know, like I like I said, I've lost my fair share of them. So it was, yeah, it didn't matter in that case. Just, you know, you have the experience of shooting it and the things that, go, you know, the that matter of seconds and the adrenaline. And then, yep. and then when you find the deer after that, all that tracking and then it's like that moment of like oh yeah awesome and then mm-hmm. then it's like all right we got to get it out of here and, yes. then like, <laughs> and then you take it home and then you know celebrate with the family and they get to see they get to see it too you know and um yeah man it, it i love this i love the yeah. sport and it's all this stuff is what really gets me going so. yeah, it ties it all together but i do want to yeah. reference that article that you know, we were talking about a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the quickest thing, you know, just going through it. I mean, it's a great thing to find. I don't, I'm, I'm sure you, if you're a hunter in Michigan, you got this email, but they estimate that antler harvest has decreased by like 28% since the early two thousands. That's a big deal, you know, 28% yeah. less does and that, uh, or for deer, sorry, antlerless harvest Doe. has decreased by 28% yeah. from the early two thousands to today. And then antlered harvest has only declined 11%. So it's exponentially going And there. You know, there's could be a multitude of reasons for why that right. is. I mean, I don't really need to get into that, but I just know that for 
like me and my dad just talked about the podcast that dropped this week. Uh, you know, he's at the point in time, like kind of how we are, like knowing that there's mature bucks around equals a healthy herd and a healthy deer herd means it's sustainable for many years. So that's kind of like the end goal we're all going for. Cause like he wants his grandkids to be able to do this. And then I want my grandkids to be able to do this. You know, like your son, 12 years old's out there enjoying this moment with you and you want to have a good deer herd for him to, you know, hunt the rest of his life. So it kind of ties all into that. And there's only so many things that we can control. Right. And that's our trigger finger, you know, and yeah. what we choose to put our tag on. And I think that just encouragement that we could probably do a better job at shooting does in certain areas of the state. And, uh, you know, and hearing your story about the doe is just like, dude, that it's bad to the bone. Like it's awesome. Like, you know, the enjoyment you got out of that. I mean, they can you can you're you're still you had a successful year because I mean, grand more things did hit the dirt for your family, but you had a successful fall if that was the only animal that you shot this year. With you know what I mean, your family got you had food on the table, yeah. you know, you, you got to eat clean meat, all that kind of stuff. So that's yeah. just that's why I like it. Thank you. Yeah. I agree, and I, I, I'll just say this really quick to, to that point, just because I feel like this is important. <laughs> Having a chance to, I just want to encourage people to, just like you said, understanding that the, the rate at what, what the antlerless harvest has, has declined, um, but also just like I've heard estimates in certain areas of certain parts of Michigan as, as high as like almost 40 to 1 doe to buck ratio. and you know, it doesn't, you know, like, if you think about that, it's like you said, every piece of land has a certain carrying capacity, and that's just not a healthy, balanced deer population. And um, I've seen in areas where where antler um, antlerless harvest is, is really um, pushed or, or forced, if you will, mm-hmm. the difference that can make in the hunting quality and the, the rutting action you get, and it's, it's almost like you're hunting a different state and that, that um, I think the more we can <laughs> do our part as hunters to, and I mean, I still want to, sh- I'll show the buck like everybody else. Like I want to, like, that's what I'm going for. Yep. But at the same time, like, you know, if we can all do that and, and just like make it a point to, to shoot more does, that's going to give us many more years to be able to hunt and yes. do, have a balanced population and going to improve the quality of our hunts too. Yep. Amen. I love it. I love it. So let's, uh, let's kind of roll into a little bit more of your fall. Uh, yeah. you referenced your son as the man child. Uh, I've seen yeah. that on Facebook. So the man child was, uh, he was tagging along quite a bit with you. Is this kind of like the, Oh yeah. how long has he been archery hunting with you for? Is this kind of like something he's done for a few years or, how does that kind of yeah. work with you guys? Yeah. So this is his third year hunting, his fourth year in the woods with me. So the, the first year, um, I took him out when he was just kind of, he was learning about it. Uh, I think he was, he was eight at the time and he was, he was interested. He really want, wanted to hunt with me. Um, and I said, okay, like, I'm going to take you out and we're going to do hanging hunts and you're going to, you're going to you know, he carried a tree stand on his back and he got used to doing that. I wanted to see how he would do sitting in the woods and just being quiet. And, you know, we, we had some, there was one time he was coughing, you know, and he was trying to, he was kind of not feeling well and he had this cough going on and he's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. But, you know, 
all that was learning and all that was kind of preparing us to be able to to do more more and more of this he ended up he got we got him a bow that fall um but he didn't start using it until the next fall okay and um that year he let's see am i doing this math right i think yeah he ended up not maybe i'm maybe i'm mixed up here but he i know like last year last year for instance he he started um oh yeah yeah i did that right yeah so the first year i took him out hunting i took him out for the youth hunt and he was he's been a stickler i give the kid a credit because he's like he wanted his first year to be with his bow and he's like dad don't even try to talk me into using a gun because like you know I love <laughs> i'm it. like all right all right you know he's like i'm like yep that's my kid you know he's yeah. just like i am and he's <laughs> he wants to you know i so we had some close calls the first year we were hunting we were living in a in our rental house hunting you know south of grand rapids and getting to know we kind of did some scouted our way into some public land areas and we, we had some cool experiences there too saw some bucks and um he we he ended up shooting at <laughs> um two different does in the youth season on two different in two different areas and then ended up missing them both the first the first one was he just was he just the emotion and he ha- shot high he was he was you know target panic kind of oh, yeah um jerked the trigger and and um then we practiced some more and i was like okay we gotta you know calm down we'll work through that and we we um and then the next time he he did everything just about right but i i was sitting on the other side of the tree and i thought he had an opening at this deer and it his arrow ended up hitting a tree and he could only see like just the shoulder he ended up hit it would have would have been a perfect shot but the the tree deflected it and so oh, yeah. it deer. so fortunately they were all clean misses and but he got to get that experience out of the system and you know kind of learn some adversity yep got some adversity yep. got to and, take care of it yep and then we saw a buck that would have been a nice buck for him to shoot a little eight point that came out um 25 yards away and it stopped right in the shooting lane and he was draw at full draw and he he ended up um letting down he's like dad you know i i just didn't feel comfortable uh shooting at 25 like that's out of my range and i was proud him. of him for, for yeah that. you know he had he was only comfortable out to 20 and and um you know at the time he was pulling back i don't know what it, i think he's he's pulling back almost 50 pounds now so yeah i think he's at right at 50 um which is which is good i think at yeah. the time he was you know 40 42 i don't remember but um so but having those those close encounters and then he practiced so like last year he played football and i coached him and and we were pretty busy all the way through hunting season and he didn't end up really getting a chance to to hunt with me until early November. Um, but he actually shot his first deer. It was a, it was a yearling doe on this public track of land. The first time he went out with me last year, <laughs> it was Sweet. after football got done. And, and we walked out to this spot. I, I had hunted it once one other time. And I was like, you know, it, it was fairly close to an access point, And for whatever reason, it didn't have a ton of pressure in this area. There was like a scrape and, I, I knew they kind of bedded on this knoll up where there was, you know, like a bunch of autumn olives and it's 
they'd come out of this thick area to walk into the wind. And so we mm. played, played the, it was just like a, a great setup for this spot. And so he, he ended up shooting this deer, um, spined it, you know, and, and, and dropped it and had to, had to put a couple more arrows in. <laughs> Dude, I'll, um, but he's, he's like the adversity he, he's faced, you know? Yeah. He's, so he shot his first deer when he was 11, got a doe yep. with a bow on a hanging hunt on public ground in Michigan. Yep. And not yeah, his exactly. first year of walking around the woods with a tree stand. Like, this is awesome. Like, I mean, I think I couldn't bow hunt until I was 12 and I, yeah, I didn't know anything about hanging hunts back then. Like my grandpa's, I think my grandpa, my uncle might've used a climber, but like I always hunted preset stuff. We always would yeah. set a stand and hunt it, you know, that season, like that kind of stuff to have that skill set already at this age is pretty incredible. Yeah. And then gets a deer when he's 11 years old is bow, man, dude, it's yeah. the first time out, man, that, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a great, like I, and I filmed that too. And, you know, I have the whole experience and, us cooking up coming home cooking up the back straps you know and and yeah eating that fresh right off the grill you know and he's just mm -hmm. like dude the the whole experience of that is it's so cool to to see it to see him like i've never pushed you know i have four kids and and they all take an interest but he he especially has been like and I think having some of that adversity and have some of those close calls and, and mm -hmm. then he practiced in the off season like this year and he didn't play football this year. Um, cause he partly because he wanted to spend more time in the woods and, and, <laughs> oh, and no. we had some, we had some <laughs> close calls. I know I was like, man, I, I was like, I don't want to push him to do anything, but you know, it, he, he really, he showed me, he was out there practicing every day and he was, well, he's he was learning. Consistent. Man, as a you as a father, you know you're older than me. Your son's older. My my son's seven, but you know having him have something like hunting to fall back onto and having the adversity, it's like teaching them. They don't even realize it, but like it, I never realized the parallels with it when I was a kid. But like learning yeah, how to do that and be successful at this prepares you to be a successful adult because you have yeah. to do stuff that makes you uncomfortable. I mean, get up yep. early when you don't, maybe you don't want to. I mean. You gotta get up early and go to work every day to support your family. But I mean, if you're willing yeah. to do it for you know a hobby, you're gonna do it for your day job. I mean, you're gonna get punched in the face at work, or you're gonna have to have an yeah. obstacle thrown your way. It's not smooth sailing. So like being able to challenge these kids yeah. at this young age, and they're and he's going out there and self motivating himself, you know, to go shoot yeah. his bow and do that. Guess what? When he gets a job one day, or he goes <laughs> to college, or if he does that, he's gonna like be motivated by yeah. himself not because dad's cracking the whip on him you know he's motivated because he wants yeah. to be better at something and he's learning how to be right. better at something and man dude hunting's one of those things where you can you can be you can get better at it you know what i mean like yeah you don't have to be the most yeah. physically gifted human on the planet to be super successful at bow hunting you know you just go right. through and you do your practice yeah I mean, dude I, you can tell him i love it <laughs> i do yeah it's your, it's your, this is exactly i mean we're on the same page here and it's a it's a lifestyle there's i mean i agree with you 100 percent because there's so many life lessons that can be learned and i've had some of the best like points of connecting with my son and you know we we pray together we we like we we connect in a way that is like out in the woods that i recognize that most most dads don't get a chance to do stuff like that with their kids and and i'm really grateful to to have 
have that time with him and, and, um, and just seeing him, like I said, you know, really like want to do it. And to the point where sometimes I'm like, man, there was one time at, it was like, it was, it was not last, it was two years ago it was that, that, that youth hunt, you know, we get two days for the youth hunt and we're hunting hard. I mean, we're going back in that day, that year it was like 90 degrees and there's mosquitoes and we're just like, you know, um, I ended up getting a big rash on my poison oak or something from climbing this, <laughs> this setting up this stand. And, and the next day, you know, I was like, I was burned out. I got dehydrated from walking way back and, and sweat through a shirt, you know, and that happened so many times doing these hunts. And I'm like, Oh man, I I was like, can we just take the morning? Like, I was like, let's just sleep in and hunt hunt hard in the evening. Dad, (laughs) dad, I really like, I only get two, I only get one more day of the youth hunt. I'm like, dang it. You know, he's right. And he wants to do it. I'm going to get up and and go or getting up at four. We're going to make it happen. You know, (laughs) it's like, I, I, it's, it's a love hate type of thing, you know, cause there's times where I'm just like, you know, we can kind of push each other in that way too. So it's, yeah. I'm really, yeah, to have these, these experiences is awesome. And yeah, he, he, he works hard too, you know, this year and seeing the progression of like, as he got better and he could shoot, you know, well out to he's, he's hitting, you know, making groups at 40 yards and, thinking back to that time where that, that buck was standing there at 25 and he's like, yep. you know, he's like, man, I, I, I want to, he's like, let's go back to that spot. You know, and so like I, and I was like, well, I, I don't think it's quite the right win, but we, we did that a few times, you know, and we kind of had a, had a tough early season. We weren't seeing a lot of deer. Like we saw some during the youth hunt. And then a lot yep. of the spots, a lot of the spots that we're hunting, it's either you're going to see, you're going to see like deer and probably nice deer, or you're going to see nothing just because, it's like we're we're pushing them you know we're pushing it getting trying to get yep. close enough and and um he was i think getting a little like just weird so weren't seeing anything and and i i had to keep reminding him i was like buddy you know remember like this all these times where we're going back and not seeing anything when you when you shoot a deer when you shoot your buck because he made it a goal this year shooting his, his buck first buck yep. with a bow and and I said, when that happens, you're going to think back to this time and, and it's going to make it so much more rewarding. And, um, it was really cool to, when, when it finally happened, you know, this year in, in November and, and I'm sorry, it was, it was, it was Halloween. And, uh, and he ended up saying that he's like, dad, you were right. It, it, going through all that early season, he's like, it, this is so, it makes it so much more rewarding. And I was like, to hear him say that it's you know it doesn't really get much better than that it's like it's like nope. he just gets it you know he he understands and he he sees what goes into it and there's been a lot of hunts where he um he sees too you know like i'm set i set up both of the, both of our stands he carries his stand i carry my stand and the sticks and the backpack and you know the bulk of the gear and he sees me you know soaking through sweating through my undershirt you know and and doing all this to set up and 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 it's worked for him too but he's like dad thanks for for doing that you know like he yeah. he recognizes that it's um you know I, it's hard to put it into words just because it is so it it's fun it's a lot of work yep. and sometimes it's questionable as to whether it's worth doing all that work <laughs> yep. but man when it 
when it happens and you know we we um yeah we ended up getting i to make a long story short i want to you know try to try to condense the story it's it's just kind of tough to do that because we 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 ended up getting access through um a private section um we got we were granted permission to to actually hunt on this private land but it was it's just a little strip of woods and then it's surrounded by public land and that's what we were going for is we ended up hunting right on the border but just by having that access on the private and being able to walk that way we we ended up seeing we saw three bucks that night it was our best hunt and um he he shot the smallest of the three bucks that we we saw Good. but i he was the first Climb that one, ladder there's nothing wrong climbing that ladder you know what i mean yeah like, I'm totally down well we we saw one that was it was probably 130 something it was a it was a big 10 point and it came out it was a sec excuse me i'll back up so the first year we we hunted this it, it was like a lot of overgrown you know pricker bushes and like when we got back into this area i could see there were deer trails but i was like you know we're just gonna have to find a spot like we're gonna have to we're gonna make some noise going back here but you know still like walk quiet set up quietly and we got all set up and I don't know how I didn't see this, but I, I look from my stand and there's a ladder, a double ladder stand set up, you know, within a, a short distance. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, and then sure enough, we hear people coming after we're set up and, and they're making a bunch of noise and they had a bait pile out there too. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> it's like, and so I went, got down, I went and talked with them and I was like, yeah, just, you know, got permission to hunt out here and, and, Anyway, they they were they, everything was cordial. They ended up leaving. They're like, yeah, no problem. You guys are close by, and I was kind of like, so my son was discouraged. After we we take that time, you, you set up yep. quietly, and you you do your best to you know kind of pick out a good spot, and then we're, like we're like stewing over which tree to to set up in, and we got it all set up, and so I went back over there and climbed up, and at that point, I talked to him, and I was like, yeah, it's like. I mean, it's too late to go anywhere else. We might as well hunt it. You know, we're we're already back here, and it, it was it was maybe you know t within ten minutes of that that we heard we heard something coming, and and it was a nice um, it was a nice seven point that would have been a great deer. He ended up drawing back on this deer, and it stopped in this. It had kind of like two little openings, and it stopped. And I went, man, eh, and. I was like, shoot it. <laughs> but he, and then the thing started walking as soon as he was ready to shoot. And then he never got a shot and um, ended up kind of kind of spooking and went down. It didn't quite get downwind of us, but it ended up running back to the, where it came from. And not like, I don't know if it actually caught our wind or what, but just knew something wasn't quite right. And, and, yep. um, but he, you know, he, so he let down. He's Probably like, from you he's yelling, shaking. shoot that thing, you know? <laughs> well, I, I know, yeah. It's like, I'm like, they got this loud whisper, like, shoot it, you know, yes. come on. Like, and, um, cause you know, it's like, and he wasn't super comfortable shooting through brush too. We're, we're using a yep. fixed blade broadhead that, that does do pretty well shooting through brush, but yeah, it's tough, man. And cause you don't know where they're going to stop and, Yep. And so shortly after that, you know, so he's, 
he's got that on us. We kind of talked about that. He's kicking himself and not taking the shot. I'm like, buddy, it's okay. You know, like you did, you know, it's tough, but yeah, sometimes you only get seconds and now, you know, for the next time, you know, and so shortly after that, we ended up, that's when we saw the big one. We, we heard a noise and this thing was probably, I'm guessing it was bedded within, you know, probably 40 yards from, from us. And we we heard it while kind of walking around, and we saw the, the trees moving, and he was making rubs in this. We we saw this mm-hmm. kind of rat going up and down, and and I still couldn't quite see it. it and he saw it before me, and he's like, oh, my gosh. And I was like, <laughs> and then I saw the thing, like, dang. Like, I didn't even have my bow, you know. And it, it walked out, like, 10 yards. It got 10 yards from our tree, and then it stopped. It was facing us he didn't even have time to draw because it was like from the time we heard it, it just, it happened really fast. We couldn't even really see what it, we didn't realize how close it was until he walked right out there. And then by the time he stopped and he was just standing still, like we didn't, neither of us really moved. And, and then it just, it wheeled around and, and it bolted right back to the area it came from. And we're like, you know, that thing, I mean, I would have, that would have been a trophy deer for, yeah for any hunter and and then he's like <laughs> he's like he's like but just seeing that is you know he's like oh my gosh like you know he was like it's a combination of being excited but then like like this weird like panic of like i could have shot that thing you know it was so close and, mm-hmm. but you know it's those deer everything happens so fast and so he ended up not you know like it was already a successful hunt at that point. Cause like if he's shaking, he's just like, he's got the, the fever, you know, and, and, um, it's Halloween, you know, we, I had been telling him like, I, I hadn't gotten a chance to hunt Halloween in a long time because we've been taking the kids trick or treating doing the, yep. you know, the, the younger kids. And, and so shortly after that, you know, a deer came back through the same trail that the original, the first deer took and this time like before i could even get the camera on the deer that deer stopped in that little opening and i man, stopped him you know i was trying to zoom in because i couldn't quite see the deer and i was filming him at at draw so you couldn't even really see the shot but as i was zooming in is when he shot so he didn't hesitate at all he did yep. everything right he thought he hit it a little far back um and we 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 waited, you know. We we listened. I was like, I was like he was trying. He was like, yeah, I screwed up. I was like, yeah, listen, you know, and and because it was so thick in there, and he, he, it I, it kind of wheeled around, and we heard a crash, and and then nothing after that. And I kind of made a note, mental note. There's like this big leaning tree that I was like, I think he's right by that big leaning tree. That was where kind of the where I heard the sound and so I was like I think we got a dead deer but again we you know it was getting dark you know at that point and and I was like let's just wait be quiet you know not and uh there was snowing if you remember Halloween this year we had a layer of snow on the ground and so we we went down, we waited till dark, and then we went and 
quietly walked over to the shot spot and checked his arrow and it had some like stomach content not a ton of blood on the ground but there was some blood and it looked like it may have been like a combination of like liver blood um and so so we backed out again and i waited we went back we just left left our stands up and um we said we're just gonna come in early walk in and hunt it in the morning just you know we actually had another deer come in that we never saw but um two two of them actually that were close within a short radius of us that morning but never saw them so we 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 waited you know kind of till i don't remember what it was like nine nine thirty to where he's like i can't wait anymore he's like let's go look for it you know <laughs> so we we went went down and you know did the search i kind of let him lead the way and fortunately because it's so thick like there's certain trails that they stick to and you yep. know it's it's even it's hard to for for people to walk through there but these deer can you know they can navigate that stuff a lot easier and and it and you know we we took our time we were just kind of walking slow and trying to not make any noise we didn't have any any blood it snowed a little bit more and then just like the ice on the ground the next morning mm-hmm. it, it kind of dissolved most of the blood so it was really hard to see anything and he we got kind of around this this deadfall and looked you know it was we were approaching that area where that leaning tree was and dad i see it <laughs> and yeah sure enough, was right. <laughs> um, yeah it was right in that spot where you know it was like five yards from that from that tree and piled up and sweet stiff as a board you know that thing had been had been it had died right then you know and yeah uh, we backed out just to be sure but it was a, i think it was, it was a quarter a was it quarter and two a little bit or what do you think it was I think he was actually quartering away slightly because he thought he hit it hard, okay. far back, and he got he did actually get so he got stomach content, and the entrance hole was was yeah far that's where the stomach stuff came from, but yeah. it was like just at the right angle where he he kind of like blew up the liver. It was weird. The liver was like this gelatinous, like mm. yep, like eighty percent of the liver was. Like, well, it was really weird. I've never actually seen that before. Because um, usually if you hit a deer in the liver liver or guts, you know, it's like it takes them probably 12. To, yeah. You want to wait 12 hours, you know, to give them time yep. to, to die. And that's why I was just going from the blood. I was like, we, we got to give them time. But but I think just because of the, the way it, it, it knocked that liver out, that thing ended up piling mm-hmm. up pretty, you know, it was 30, 40 yards from from the stand damn that's awesome um, or from the shot i think yeah. so i do people have talked about how like if you do hit the liver right it is super effective yeah. like and i've seen it with gunshots like sometimes you'll get that kind yeah, of like far oh, yeah. back gunshot and you gut them things out and the stomach's still intact but like they just clip that liver yeah. and them deer are just like boom dead like right away so it might have been just it may yeah. have been quartered just right or kind of like accordioned up just right when that arrow zipped through there it hit everything it needed to so that's awesome. Yeah. That was yeah first luck down, too. baby, put, with a bow. Yeah. yeah. It was awesome. So cool. Man. It was a great experience. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, just looking at the too. the picture of him with that deer, man, he is just like, you just see him sitting there. It's like, that is so awesome. Yeah. You know, he's 
that's a that's a man right there. You know what I mean? That's a passage into man yeah. to that extent. That's, yeah, that. that's exactly we talked about that, and that's kind of I said something in the in the post about that. How you know he? Yeah, it's like it's the the journey to manhood. You know, and he, like he just he like that's a milestone of I was so proud of him. He set yeah. that goal. Uh, he shot his first deer last year. This year, he said I'm shooting a buck and and um, he probably would have shot a, de- a doe, but we didn't really ever have any great shots at, at does, yeah. you know, early in the season, but, you know, he had a combo license. So he would have shot, he would have shot a doe and, you know, still, he was still going after that buck, but yeah, he, um, yeah, it was so cool to hear him say it. Like at one point after the, after the hunt, when we're like, we went from seeing nothing on the last several hunts to all of a sudden it's like, you know, three deer, including a trophy, you know, and yep. he's like, he's like, dad, this is the best, this is the best day of my life. Like, or something <laughs> like that. Like, oh, I love it. I'm like, yeah, it was so cool. And we had the whole family come and kind of, after we got it, got it out and, you know, just kind of help us finish the drag and film yep. some of that. And it so was so cool. cool to, to see the, you know, just, um, Having him, you know, like we, we, another thing we've done, buddy of mine told me like last year when he shot his, his doe, um, label all the meat, Shane's deer, you know, so you know where, like, so he know every time we, we cook that meat, it's, uh, yeah. so we, we processed it ourselves, you know, like we, we, we do okay. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, but, um, you know, labeled it all with his name on it. So when we pull it out of the freezer and thaw it out, it's, you know, we, we make it a point to, you know, there's that sense of, you know, providing food for your family. Yeah. I know you can go and buy, you know, grass fed beef or whatever, but it's just, you think back to that, that experience and, and it's, it just makes it, there's so many little pieces to that, that make, make it memorable. And then it continues to like reinforce not only is it for the sport and the experience of doing that, but like we're, we're utilizing that meat instead of that thing getting hit by a car and sitting in a dish somewhere, you know, we're, we're putting it to good use and feeding our family and, and um, life. Yep, earning life, that. Man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Love it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> oh gosh, the, I'm trying to think when I was little, you know, I shot my first deer with a gun. First deer I killed was a 14 years old and it was a doe and we made some jerky, you know, uh, that, uh, that, and I remember that to this day, you know, we did, we didn't do a very good job. I mean, it was good, but nothing like now, you know, we did in the oven, the whole house was smelling, but something about, you know, being 14 years old, like, yeah, that's my (laughs) deer, you know, sneaking the house up, you know, finally (laughs) being able to, then you've you've got you're gonna have your hands full because once he turns 16 and has some wheels i mean he's oh, i mean that's how i was you know it's it's gonna be yeah. a good time over there and then uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's it's dude it's it's awesome yeah and i've got i've got other kids too and he's he's kind of taken already kind of somewhat of that mentorship like with uh so I have two boys and two girls and, and okay um younger son is, is nine. And so he's kind of teaching him mm-hmm. stuff and he'll, I'll, I'll come home sometimes and I'll see him. He's out with a range finder, you know, kind of helping my other son, you know, with, <laughs> yeah. with a shot form and doing some things I taught him. And I'm like, that's, oh, yeah. that's so cool. So like it's good stuff. He's, um, 
yeah, very proud of him. Very, very grateful to to have the experiences I've had this fall and in the past. And and um, yeah, there's a lot of years where it's like it doesn't work out as planned. You know, I've been hunting for over 30 years now, and and every year I have like there's some seasons where it's like just a grind, and you're like, man, is it even worth doing all this stuff? But there's like every year there's been at least one, it doesn't always result in a killed deer, but like either a hunt that where I, I'm seeing deer or I get close or something exciting happens or you make a connection in the wild where it's like, man, like this is why I do this. Like this is, like I just, I love this. Like I love that connection to the wild and, and having those experiences. And so it brings me back, you know, each year and and now to have like i don't really you know it's hard to 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 try to like teach my kid how to do like hanging hunts on public land and it's a challenge enough for me to do it mm-hmm. and so it takes a certain type to be able to even even you know be able to handle that you know so yep. so seeing him and taking the ownership he has and going and practicing and being able to like teach him the way that i have i've just I'm it's opened my eyes to a whole new aspect of being able to, you know, kind of pass the sport along and, and then like even think about the things like why we do this in the first place. Cause yeah. I'm sure you've had times where it's like, you know, it's, you start to, I mean, it, over the course of a season and you're, you know, you're, you're giving up, you're sacrificing time with your family and to go and do this. Yep. And there's times where it's like, like hunt doesn't go the way you plan it out or you end up like, someone comes riding a horse through the land you're hunting or whatever, and it's like a quad and, and you're like, dang it, you know, why did I waste my, you know, after all that preparation and I could have been spending time with my family and, yep. you know, it's you're pushing those boundaries of like, but it, then when it comes together, it's like, yeah, like this, yep. this is why it's I It's kind of like that. You're, you're why, Yeah. You ride right, that yeah. balance between, uh, like, you know, you want to be a, a very present and, you know, good husband, good father, but you also know that it's important to, like, recharge yourself almost. I'm trying to think of the right word. I mean, yeah. It's not really recharging, but it's, like, grounding maybe. And it's, like, I know yeah. that I'm a better – I know that I'm a better father and a better husband when I'm, like, doing things right and, like, when I'm able to, like, go and spend time outside – because I have X, Y, and Z already taken care of before I go on that hunting trip or before I go on that hunt. And then when I'm home, I'm very present, you know, or, you know, there's, there are times where I could get better at that, you know, because you're on your phone looking at Onyx yeah. or doing those kind of things. But I do know when I come back from like a hunt that like, if it's a two day, you know, two days in a row or whatever it is that night that I'm home with my family and um, it's good, you know, because it's like, I, I'm very aware of what's going on. And, you know, and, and each year is different. Each, you know, November is different. Each October is different, you know, and if you get too ramrody, like, you know, things yeah. don't necessarily always go well, but I mean, yep. I do know that uh, having my son go with me has definitely helped a lot with me be able to go hunting more often because it's me and him going, you know, instead of uh, just, you know, me leaving him with her all the time growing up. So, I mean, it's, it's a good thing to have. And I, uh, I do think anyone who listens to this episode is going to definitely feel the passion and you know hopefully be encouraged to uh you know kind of get after i know we didn't dive into too much you know tactic talk tonight but i you're going to be on again in the future you know because there's a lot of i'm sure there's a lot of stuff that you know 
I mean, the few things, I mean, I've picked up on some stuff just talking with you and hearing you explain, you know, some of the spots you hunt. There's a lot of, you know, things that you're going off of and instincts and, you know, past experiences. So I definitely mm-hmm. think it's a very, you know, very, especially if you start scouting, like I, I'm like getting mm-hmm. ready. To, I'm, I'm like ready to scout, you know, and talk to guys about what they're finding for the next year and their game plan. So, but I mean, is there I, anything else you want to kind of drop before we kind of wrap this up? Feel free, man. Yeah. Well, th- first of all, thank you. And yeah, I, I agree. I would love to, I would love to, to come back and share more about tactics. And uh, I, I, especially there's a couple of areas where I've had a lot of success get taking a boat in. I have a really lightweight canoe where I, I, um, especially for morning hunts and there, there's little, little things that I think can make a big difference. And I would be, I would love to dig in to that more because yeah. I think a lot of people would love to, to, to hear that kind of stuff. And, um, cause we're, we're hunting like probably a lot of the people who listen are, they're hunting the same type of areas, you know, that yep. are highly pressured. They're, you know, Michigan hunters or, or maybe, maybe elsewhere, but, you know, dealing with the same kind of stuff. So, um, so yeah, no, I, I just, I just, um, yeah, grateful for people for, for listening and thanks for having me. And I, I tend to be a little bit long winded and <laughs> didn't expect to, to talk this long, but it, yeah, once I get, once I get going, as you can, mm-hmm. as you said, you know, this is something I'm passionate about and I know you are too. And yep it's like I could go on and on and on and, and it's like, it just, it, it never gets old. And that's, that's why I love it, you know, and that's why we do this stuff. Like there's, there's, it's more than just killing a deer. It's more than just getting me. It's what, whatever your goals are, you know, that's awesome. But it's, it's that, like you said, the circle of life, there's, there's a lot of life lessons to be learned and, you know, just through hunting in general, at least the way I look at it, it makes me a better person. And it's, um, yeah, I've tried at times in certain years to not hunt as much and, you know, thinking maybe that's the answer is maybe I need to cut this out. And, and um, I, it's, it's just, it's just part of who I am. And the times when that, when I don't do it, it's like, I need to get back out in the woods. So, no. Yeah, I just want to encourage people who are listening, who are maybe like, maybe they're wanting to get more serious about hunting or a little bit newer to it, you know, just to get, go out there and do, you know, go and experiment with stuff, listening to podcasts and tactics and anything you can do to keep getting better. And, you know, if it doesn't go as planned, look at it as a, as a learning experience and like all the same yep. type of things I'm teaching my son is like, um, you know, the more we can support each other and grow this sport and be good stewards of the land and treat each other with, with kindness and, you know, knowing that we want the same thing, we want a better hunting experience and, you know, um, for everybody. And, and there's no reason we can't yeah. have that. Yes, sir. I love it. Let's, let's end it on that. I mean, we're, we're both yeah. ready to promote, we want to promote this lifestyle, you know, this, yeah. this way of doing things is good and, uh i like i know we've kind of went through this again but i appreciate you know guys like you make this part easy for me you know being the host and uh obviously i like to talk that's why i have a podcast so you know two guys like <laughs> yeah. us get together i mean what else do you expect but uh it's yep. good stuff and uh like i like i like to say you know anyone get out there you know enjoy creation uh do it with your family if you can it's a good it's a good buying experience um i mean there's just so many things that it it's helped me 
outside of my little my little life you know like i'm a little i'm a little fish in a you know giant pond but it's definitely helped me in a lot of other things and it's kept my nose clean as a kid growing up you know i said no to a lot of things because all i cared about was going goose hunting or duck hunting or you know chasing whitetail that kind of stuff you know so i mean there's just a lot of benefits to this so if you're new to this or if, you know maybe you're guys like us like me and you grew up this way maybe there's a guy you know or maybe your son's friend or something like that invite them out there there's so much we have we've quite a bit of reach you know with talking to your little inner circle of people you know and some friends you can help out and then might take off and other friends they they might not come back to it till later but i think it's a it'll be a good exactly. thing but no guys thanks for listening to this episode of michigan wild it was a good one and uh, i look forward to doing some more with you in the future rob yeah likewise thanks Nate. appreciate it yes sir